I am Camille Johnson, and this is Finding the Floor. Stories and reflections of midlife motherhood, family, and finding meaning in it all. Join me as I share a little piece of my life and figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Hi there, and welcome to Finding the Floor. This is episode 42, and today we're going to talk about making peace with our weaknesses or flaws. How is everybody today? We're coming upon like the year mark of when all this COVID shutdown stuff started, and our family had pretty much gone a whole year. We hadn't really been affected, I mean, personally. We had known some people who had gotten COVID, but no longer it has come to our house. <laughs> and not to give away all of my family's medical information, but we are enjoying a quarantine together. <laughs> so no one can actually do anything. Not that we were doing a ton, but it's even less. So luckily, things are pretty mild here. I'll have to say that's a blessing. So I hope everyone else is doing okay. Um, I'll have to say that I've had three good weeks of my decluttering habit. And even last Friday, I like rearranged my food storage shelves and I thought it was going to take me like way longer than it actually did. So it's been kind of fun. Now I'm sort of looking forward to my declutter Fridays. So I don't know if anyone else has started a little habit or trying to work on a goal that they had, but this has actually been really good for me. So just to report on my little success that I've had. Okay, if anyone went back and listened to the talk that I suggested that I kind of shared a lot from on my comparisons episode, the one about wrestling with comparisons by J.D. Haas. And one thing that that's kind of really stuck with me for the past couple of weeks, which is why I've been thinking about this, is this idea that he references... Ether 12.27, which says like God gives us weakness or, and what he says is a human condition so we can be humble. And so then he references Ether 12.27, which says, and if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness that they may be humble. And my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me and have faith in me then will I make weak things become strong unto them. And so I've just been thinking about this idea of kind of being okay and being a little more humble about our weakness. So then I did a little more research within like the scriptures and then other 
kind of outside um, articles and stuff, which I'm going to share with you today. And the other scripture I found was in Jacob, which is another book in the Book of Mormon. It's in chapter four, verse seven, and it says, Nevertheless, the Lord God showeth us our weakness, that we may know that it is by his grace and his great condescension unto the children of men that we have power to do these things. So from those two, this idea that weakness is something that we are all, that we all have, and that we're given as a way for us to be humble and also as a way to recognize that God has given us the power to do these things. And it is by his grace and that his willingness to, I guess, come down and atone for our sins and that we can overcome some of these things that we define as either our weakness or our flaws. And then I found this great scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, and it says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so... I sort of want to explore this idea of glorying in my infirmities, right? I love that description. When I think about glorying in my infirmities, I think like, I'm okay. I'm not in this self-pity, self-deprecating spot about things that I can't do well. I'm just like, I'm okay with it. And that's, I think, where we sometimes need to be. And maybe we're striving to rely more on God to help us with whatever weakness we have. Now, if you go back to like the first episode I had upon self-love and I shared this definition, which I'm going to share again um, from psychologytoday.com. And it says, self-love is not simply a state of feeling good. It is a state of appreciation for oneself that grows from actions that support our physical, psychological, and spiritual growth. Self-love is dynamic. It grows through actions that mature us. When we act in ways that expand self-love in us, we begin to accept much better our weaknesses as well as our strengths and have less need to explain away our shortcomings, have compassion for ourselves as human beings struggling to find personal meaning, are more centered in our life purpose and values, and expect living fulfillment through our own efforts. Okay, so if we can go back to that sentence where it says, we begin to accept much better our weaknesses as well as our strengths and have a less need to explain away our shortcomings. So we start to develop this more compassion for ourselves. And sometimes I think if we look at those three scriptures that I mentioned, we also develop that compassion towards others too, because we all subject to some sort of weakness or flaws. Nobody is perfect. As Hannah Montana would say back in the day, (laughs) nobody's perfect. 
So today, as I talk a little bit more about accepting our weakness or just even the idea of like being in this human state um, of weakness, I've been thinking a lot about when you think someone is perfect, right? You kind of like, I know personally, I'm like, they're so perfect. They're so annoying. So I think it's funny for me personally, when I think about obsessing about things that let's say I quote unquote are a weakness. So for instance, not getting rid of things, which builds up clutter in my home and not having this perfect body that maybe I wish I would have had or think I should have, or if I had the this perfect job or whatever, all these things that I think would be great. And then I think if I could wave a magic wand and have all that actually happen, I think I would be quite insufferable. I mean, who wants to be around someone who's got just doing it all? All right. Like nobody. And I think there are plenty of people who maybe quote unquote pretend that they've got it all. And I don't know. You know that that is not necessarily the case. You know, there's something else going on. So as much as I wish I could, quote unquote, keep a better house or not procrastinate or much or be better at reaching out to people or not complain about my husband's calling sometimes or that my belly wasn't so squishy. Well, who would I be without all those things? that I think are weaknesses. And I think we're all unique because of some of the weaknesses and quote unquote flaws that we think I have. That's just like part of who we are. And sometimes I love when I hear on a couple of my like Jody Moore life coaching calls is I hear her and a lot of the other life coaches talk about, you know what, we're all pretty much 50-50. 50% of the time we're great, 50% of the time we're a mess, and usually it's kind of like in between. Like it's usually not that dramatic too. Like there are times we're having great days, in between days, but we're all kind of a mess sometimes and we're all kind of great sometimes. And I just think that this idea that that scripture from 2 Corinthians is we can rejoice in our infirmities or the things that we're struggling with because we know we can rely on Jesus Christ to help us through these things, then maybe that is really the whole point, right? We can stay humble and rely upon the Savior to get us through the day. Because if we really thought we were awesome and can do everything on our own, I think we kind of would forget where where everything we get comes from. So I think we begin almost like being grateful for the weaknesses that we've been given. When my husband was called as the stake president, and I was trying to remember if I told this story before when I talk about Mary Engel, but I'm just going to share it again. But um, so when my husband was called as the stake president, I was given about five minutes to share my testimony. 
And I just remember thinking, oh, I don't even know what I want to say because I, all I kept on thinking was like, I am just like the worst supportive wife. <laughs> and so I had kind of been given a heads up the night before that I would be given a few minutes to just share my testimony. And that's kind of came into my head is like, well, I'm just going to share that. So I get up and I just share like how I'm kind of the worst. <laughs> and I share that my poor husband would have to worry about me making it through the day on Sundays and coming home and he wouldn't know what state I'd be in if I was going to be all angry at him for doing service and helping other people. And um, I just shared that how sometimes I would be frustrated and not ha and not look forward to Sundays. They were not my favorite day. And that I was going to strive to be better. And that's kind of what I said. I shared the story about Mary Engel Young. And I also joked that when I would hear some of the general authorities talk about their wives and how they never complain, Nate and I used to joke that, well, if you were to say something like that, I guess you could say like, I haven't complained in like the past five minutes. So you could say something like that. <laughs> so I just shared the things that I struggled with and how I was going to try to be better. And even though this was a hard thing, I knew that this was from God and that this calling was where my husband was supposed to serve. And that was over two and a half years ago. And I still get people like telling me how they love that talk and how sharing that just meant so much to them. And I just was like, whoa, I didn't realize that sharing my struggle was going to connect me with so many women who heard it. I mean, I've had so many people even reach out and say, hey, can you share that story about Mary Young so I can share that with another person who just whose husband just got a big a calling that they're having a hard time with or someone's struggling with their kids and everyone knows that <laughs> so did I. <laughs> so um, I think it's just really interesting and I found this great article which kind of backs up this idea is that when we're willing to kind of be more vulnerable and share our weaknesses with others, it can actually draw us closer to people. So this article is titled, This Six Amazing Things That Will Happen When You Embrace Your Weakness by um, Taibo Maurice. Um, and it's from lifehack.org. And... There were six of them. Obviously, it says six amazing things. And number six was you'll build deeper and more meaningful relationships with other people. Embracing your weaknesses and sharing your true self will make others feel comfortable doing the same with you. Now, my husband's been in the stake presidency now for two and a half years. Things have obviously been way different this year. And so I feel like things have been easier a little bit, but, and it's been easier as my kids have gotten older, but I have actually really strived to 
find ways to change my mindset. So something that is a weakness, I'm sort of learning how to get better at and being more humble and learning how to be a better supportive wife. That makes sense. I mean, there are still days where I'm not the best and I can't say that I don't ever complain, but I'm definitely getting better. So the other thing I was thinking about as we think about weakness and this idea of like rejoicing in them, I came across this article which suggests that um, if you focus on your weakness, fi- like focus on it and maybe figure out how the flaws really is something positive. Um, so this article was titled Four Ways to Make Peace with Your Flaws. And I was thinking about that. And so I was thinking about also like, okay, with Nate, when he's a stake president, I'm sort of making peace with the fact that I had a hard time. But I'm slowly finding out that that's actually a strength because I'm able to help other women who also might be having a hard time. And then I was also thinking about other things that I feel like is a weakness, quote unquote. And I just tend to be more relaxed about a mess in my house. Like it kind of gets to the point where I'm like, okay, I can't handle it anymore. And then I clean up. And you guys know the first episode I shared was called the 90-10. And I've realized if I look back like this, what I think is a weakness is actually, I can think of it as a strength is that I'm really not that scared to tackle a mess. I mean, I've got the 90-10, which I can always implement, but that I just, sometimes I find it really satisfying um, taking a room from a total mess to just cleaning it up. And so I'm never really intimidated or I I don't really feel overwhelmed by a mess. I just feel like, oh, we can totally clean this up. Like no time, not a problem. So I actually, sometimes I think when we think about our weaknesses or flaws, there are probably ways that they've actually, they're actually really a positive if you think about it in another way. And with this same article, There were like four suggestions. I'm not going to say all of them, but there was another one that I really liked, which was to reject the ideal that you're trying to live up to and not yourself. So when you think about, let's say, whether I need to have this perfectly clean house, maybe I don't need to worry about that. Or I think especially with like body image, especially for women in general, like let's just reject the ideal that we, all these pictures and images that we get thrown at us all the time that women have to look a certain way and let's just let go of that instead of rejecting and like not liking our body. So sometimes I think about, I mentioned my squishy tummy as I feel like a weakness (laughs) and Maybe I just need to reject the idea that I don't have to have a six pack to be happy or to just exist as a great, beautiful woman, that that's not even necessary. Maybe I just need to be grateful that this squishy tummy brought me five wonderful children and 
even though I, I used to have strong abs like when I was a diver, but that was before. So I gosh, got to let go of all that and kind of be okay. So I love that. Reject the ideal, not yourself. Okay. Now there is also another camp out there that just talks about like not even worrying about your weakness. You want to kind of concentrate on the strengths that you have. Because sometimes if you spend all your time trying to improve your weakness, you're actually not working on your strengths, which is going to have a greater impact. Um, I remember when I was working up at this college that I worked at, um, one of the women I worked under, she gave me this book called like Strengths 2.0. And, um, and you would take this quiz and it would help you see your strengths. It had like a list and, and then it would give you like a paragraph on things that thought you were really good at. And that also was really, really helpful. So I think that it's good to remember that we also have strengths. And sometimes when we build up those strengths, that is really good too. But of course, there's always all these different camps, right? So you have this like just really think about your strengths and because if you really because that's where what you're good at and if you work on getting even better at your strengths like you know things will magnify and sometimes when you're always worried about improving on your weakness then it doesn't get you going as far but yeah this other article I kind of liked as well I mean I get both points so you guys can obviously decide for yourself but this article said suggest and it's called you need to know your weaknesses to boost your success and it says like sometimes if we aren't aware of our weakness they can then hurt us in some way and I guess what I liked about this article is that he compared it to um, weaker muscles and so sometimes if you have one really strong muscle and a weak muscle you can actually tweak um another body part or and and that's actually gonna hurt you in the long run so what it suggests is that you um kind of work on both like find three strengths and three weaknesses and then don't just forget about your weaknesses obviously you need to be aware but maybe you spend a little bit of time working on your weaknesses so it sort of remind me of like, let's say with my tummy, like I'm going to reject this ideal that I need to have a six pack, perfect defined tummy, but maybe I do need to probably strengthen my core because if I just don't do anything, I could start having back issues and um, other type of issues if I just don't do anything. So I'm still kind of accepting that that may be a weak part. So I'm not doing like super hard ab exercises, but I'm also still doing them so that I don't tweak other things. And I know like sometimes when you do weight training, if you do like um, single side training, I, I don't know if that's exactly the word, but that you can work one arm instead of working like both arms at the time if you're doing it you can work one at a time and 
if you do that, you can strengthen sometimes your weak sides a little bit better. So I do kind of like that because I think it's good to be aware. And then I think it's also good to just take some time to work on both. So when I was a diving coach, that was kind of a hard thing that I would have to try to manage too, is that I had a lot of beginning divers who would come and dive with me. And I would have to get them ready to compete in a swim meet because the whole point was if you have more divers, you can get more points, um, just even having people just to be there. So I would have to make sure they could get ready to compete. And when you compete in a meet, there are certain requirements. You can't just do like whatever dives. You have to do like a forward dive, a backward dive, an inward dive, reverse dive, and some sort of twisting dive. And then you can double up on one other category. So you have to cover all five categories. And what I found interesting is as I'm coaching is that most of the time there were especially when you're learning new things, there were certain dives that were easier to learn. And as I really would try to help them move ahead on the dives that they were good at, we would have to work on the dives that they couldn't do very well if they wanted to be able to be prepared to go to a meet and to compete, which was the whole point. And so sometimes I would just really work on super easy dives in those positions instead of worrying about like higher degree of difficulties so they they could at first just get in there and compete and then we would slowly work on harder dives in one of the positions that they were more comfortable with at the beginning but just that balance it was it's always hard to balance okay let's work on the dives you're good at because we want those to be really strong at the meets but then we also have to work on the dives that you're not so good at because those you have to still do too. <laughs> so it's just this kind of this balance of how you work it. So if we think about like we are aware of our weakness and we're not just ignoring it and we're kind of being humble to find ways that we can grow from it. But... um We're not just totally ignoring it. Now, the other thing that this article suggests was to find somebody that is really good at what you're not good at Um, and then be willing to work with them. And so I, I think that sometimes can be hard because sometimes when you're not so good at something, you tend to be a little bit fearful, a little bit defensive, and kind of judgy of other people, or at least, I mean, obviously I'm speaking from my perspective, of other people who are good at these things. So I think if you've gotten to the point where you're like more teachable in whatever weakness you have, then you're kind of more willing to listen to someone who that is their strength and learn from them. So for instance, Since my goal was to try to get better at getting rid of things and decluttering, I've actually been seeking out like shows that kind of talk about organizations and decluttering and I'm more willing to learn from them instead of being like, oh my gosh, they're so annoying. Yeah, they're so good at that. Instead of being like, okay, I'm going to take 
this information because they have this great talent and maybe I can learn from them instead of just being kind of defensive. Because I think sometimes if you're just humble and aware about things that you're not good at, it just makes that willingness to be, to look for someone else who has that strength to help you out. So the Nets suggestion I really liked about kind of helping to make peace with your weakness and find ways to slowly, I don't know if I want to say get over it, but just maybe work on them is the idea of giving up the idea of perfection and embrace good enough. And may I even say embracing the B plus. <laughs> and I really found this interesting talk um, from the BYU devotional. And it was given by a mathematics professor named Tyler Jarvis. And at the beginning, he talks about the traveling salesman problem. And I don't, I'm not a big mathematician, but I guess this is like a big problem, like you're finding the best route. And so he kind of talks about all these numbers on when you have like three destinations, finding the best route to all those three destinations is not that difficult. He says, even when you get up to 10 destinations, he says you have 3,628,800 possible routes. And then when you get to 20, it's like a crazy high number, <laughs> which I think it's like quadrillion. <laughs> so he was saying sometimes computing the best route is not even possible. So just kind of being okay with the good enough might also help you not really think about things. Maybe they're not as weak as you think they are, or maybe your flaws aren't as bad as you think. Maybe it's just good enough. And he has like some suggestions on how to like get over perfection paralysis. So he first says you need to admit and accept your imperfections. And then um, he says, instead of worrying about getting like the perfect solution to whatever it is of your imperfection, he said, you just work hard to get to good enough. Um, and he kind of talks about in his math perspective, but then he talks about how you need to step three is you need to get up and act on what you think might be good enough. And he shares a story about when he went to graduate school, he had a teacher, a math teacher that was really famous, kind of got almost this award that was almost like getting the Nobel Peace Prize in math. And, but he knew that this professor was very critical of students. So when you got in his class, he was always just very critical and he did not want to be criticized by this teacher. So he said, I just worked really hard to never be criticized by this teacher. And I never was. And what he found interesting is that there was this other student in the class who didn't care about getting criticized or saying that he was asking dumb questions or, but he would ask a lot of questions and then would then after go to like office hours with this professor and work on these problems and solutions. 
And this math professor, Brother Jarvis, said, you know, I realized after three years of having this teacher, this super famous teacher with all this knowledge that I wasted so much time worrying about not being criticized. And I only had like 45 minutes of actual one-on-one time with him. Whereas this other student had hours and hours because he would go afterwards and try to work out all these problems because he wasn't afraid to be criticized or to fail. So sometimes when we see our weaknesses and we're afraid to like really step up and improve that we just need to not be afraid and to go for things. So, and then he says like, you know, you keep working at it. So you notice your imperfections, you approximate how you can get better and then you work on it and not be afraid to fail. And then you just repeat the process. So it sort of reminded me of the story. So I don't know, probably four years ago, I don't know if it's been that long, maybe three. I guess it was a year before Luke left on his mission. So it'd have to be like maybe three and a half years ago. I decided that I was going to refinish our wood floors, like me personally. I had helped my mother-in-law do this and it had gone okay. (laughs) I mean, there were still issues, but I thought, oh, I can... I've done this before. I could do it again. We were getting a new piano and I decided I wanted to take up our carpet and refinish our floors. I don't know why I thought I could do this, but anyway, I was doing okay and I had refinished all, you know, the inner parts and I had to do the edges. And so, and I'm renting all these sanders and the guys at Home Depot were really really kind to me. And so they gave me the big edger sander, which is super powerful. Okay. So I'm doing my edges and this super powerful edger is like, as I get all the way done, I notice I just have like circles and dips that are way lower than the rest of the floor. And I'm kind of sick about it. (laughs) And I just, I don't even know if I should start over because I feel like it sort of ruined the whole floor. And so luckily I have my great husband and he's like, it's it's seriously going to be fine. Who is going to notice? I just, I'm like, everybody's going to notice. Like that's what people see, don't they? Because if there's a big mess in the middle, I can cover it with a carpet. And so... I ended up trying to do my best to even it out if I could with not with the big sander, but with the smaller hand sander. And then I just had to go on. I had to be okay with it being good enough. And so I finished staining them and, you know, putting the the seal in the poly on it. And sometimes I notice the little marks that are very imperfect on my floor. But I also realize that it's actually good enough. Like no one really does come into my living room and examine the areas right next to my baseboards. And so maybe I just need to be proud that I tried something 
even if it didn't go exactly as how I wanted it to. And even my friend Chris Ford, um, the trickle-down mesonomics guy, came in. He was helping us finish up with the trim, and he said he was impressed. He would even give me a B-. minus. <laughs> so I think sometimes this idea of being good enough, it's okay that we can still be proud of something that's good enough, even if it's not as perfect as we were hoping. Okay, so... There was one last article I'm briefly going to mention, which I'll have all of these on my website. And what I really liked about this is that kind of his main point was that many times our weaknesses don't really matter as much as we think. Kind of just like the floors. I was so worried about people just noticing all the mistakes and the divots that were in the wood, but that no one really does. And sometimes we overthink our weaknesses and that if we just accept them and slowly try to work on them, but that also um, maybe ask for help, that really we don't need to magnify our weaknesses as much because I don't think they matter as much as sometimes we think they do in our heads. All right, you guys. So to sum up really quick, what I've talked about today was that um, first of all, we need to rejoice and realize that we have our weaknesses so that we can be humble and rely upon Jesus Christ. And that second, sometimes sharing our weaknesses with others can bring us closer to them and they are more willing to share with us some things that they're struggling with as well. And then the other thing I really liked was that we can find ways where our weaknesses in some ways really can be a positive for us. So that was number three. And number four, reject the ideal, not yourself. Maybe really look into why you're even thinking this is a weakness. And maybe it's more this ideal that's been pushing at us that we need to reject instead of ourselves. And then just as you accept your weakness, number five, as you accept your weakness, be willing to take time to work on it and take advice from others. And number six, just like the idea of giving up perfection for good enough. Um, sometimes we're going to obsess over things like floors that end up not being the very best we could be, but they're good enough and we need to move on and not be afraid to fail and try new things. Quickly, I'm going to finish up with the what actually Tyler Jarvis finished up this stanza from Leonard Cohen's song anthem. It says, ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. So remember the whole point of our weaknesses is so that we can be humble and recognize that God is there to work in our lives. All right, you guys, I hope you have a wonderful day and week. And as always, seriously, thank you so much for listening. And I will talk to you next week. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any questions, come by findingthefloor.com. 
where I will have show notes and links for anything I've mentioned today. Special thanks to Seth Johnson for creating and performing the theme music. Come back next week and thanks for listening.